First of all, I don't know Putin. Have no business whatsoever with Russia. Have nothing to do with Russia. So confusing. I thought you said you knew Putin, that you knew him very well, that you met him in the green room. Oh, well. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. It's like he's making stuff up. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California on KFOI in Red Bluff and Redding, KKRN in Round Mountain, and AM 1480 KGO in Eureka. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and Cottage Grove on KSO and in Eugene on KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV. Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for you, just to make it easy. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour, Detour Talk, and Deprogrammed Radio, amongst others. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Here with swell producer, says me, Desi Doyen. How <laughs> well, are you, Desi? I am swell. All right. Well, you know what? As much as I hate this story, um, and I don't know why I hate this story, but I just hate this story. Um There was a big development in the Robert Mueller special counsel investigation into the Trump-Russia story on Thursday. Any idea why I hate this story so much? Uh, No. I just, it's, uh, well, you know, usually it's speculative, it's people guessing, it's guesswork. Well, today we actually have a hard development in that case. And so we do try to uh, cover the hard developments, and this is one that could prove very bad for Donald Trump. It comes on the heels of a number of number of other things that appear, anyway, to be getting increasingly bad for the president of the United States, as his behavior at the same time seems to be getting more and more erratic in recent days. And frankly, that is saying quite a bit. President Donald Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, admitted on Thursday that he lied to Congress about a Moscow real estate deal that he had pursued on Trump's behalf during the heat of the 2016 Republican campaign. He said he did so to be consistent, uh, his lying about it, to uh, be consistent with Trump's, quote, political messaging. Cohen's guilty plea today makes clear that prosecutors believe that Trump, who insisted repeatedly throughout the campaign that he had no business dealings in Russia, 
that uh, they are the prosecutors are continuing to pursue the project. Um, and uh, I'm sorry that uh, Trump was continuing to pursue the project weeks after he had clinched the Republican nomination for president and well after he and his associates have publicly acknowledged dealing with Russia, according to AP. The negotiations about building a Russian Trump Tower had continued as late as June 2016. That is, of course, well into the campaign uh, that he uh, got into. He he announced in, uh, I think it was June of 2015, and so a year later, he was still negotiating with Russia about building a Trump Tower, reportedly, and according to these legal documents filed today in federal court... So June 2016, that is well into the campaign, still after he had sewn up the nomination for the uh, for the presidency of the United States, for the Republican Party, which he had clinched back in May. June 2016 is also the same month that Trump's oldest son met in Manhattan with a Kremlin-connected lawyer, according to AP, even though Cohn had told two congressional committees, falsely, uh, it seems, Last year, that talks had ended in January, in January of 2016, even though they had been continuing for months thereafter. Cohn also discussed the proposal with Trump on multiple occasions, he admitted in court on Thursday, and with unidentified members of the president's family, according to the court papers that were filed by special counsel Robert Mueller. Uh, Cohn is cooperating with Mueller and has met with his team seven times, prosecutors say, for as many as 70 hours, according to some reports today. The Cohn case was filed in New York after uh, a week after Trump and his lawyers provided Mueller with responses to written questions. So if Trump offered conflicting information in those written responses, conflicting information to that which Cohn has just attested to under penalty of perjury and jail and everything else, that could be a problem for Donald Trump, especially if prosecutors have additional evidence from Cohen, like emails or recordings, etc., that contradict the story that Trump and his attorneys submitted to Mueller. This is also the first new charge that has been brought by the special counsel since the appointment of acting attorney general uh, Matthew Whitaker, who has oversight now of the probe, despite having made his career, frankly, by disparaging the investigation on Fox News before he joined the administration, largely I might say entirely because he did disparage the investigation on Fox News. It's not like he had any other skills that would make him just the perfect person to be the attorney general, the top law enforcement official in these United States. Yeah, it's a total coincidence that he's been disparaging all of this all along. And then suddenly Trump, he's the one person Trump chooses outside the normal line of succession that's been used for every single other vacancy in the Department of Justice. Which is being challenged, of course, uh, in court, several different court cases saying that, uh, no, in fact, the chain of succession here would make Deputy uh, Attorney General Rod Rosenstein the acting attorney general until... Donald Trump can figure out how to get someone else uh, through the uh, through the U.S. Senate. 
Uh, in any event, Cohn's surprise court appearance on Thursday, and it really did come out of the blue, marks the latest step in his evolution from trusted Trump conciliary, writes AP, to prime antagonist at this point. He said he had been that trusted conciliary out of loyalty to Donald Trump. It's the second time the uh, lawyers' legal woes have entangled Trump comes months after Cohn had said the president directed him, uh, directed his uh, campaign to make hush money payments to two women, one of them Stormy Daniels, uh, who had said they had sex with uh, with Donald Trump. So uh, the way uh, the Times reported this today was quite direct. Michael Cohn, President Trump's former lawyer and fixer, admitted in court on Thursday that he had engaged in negotiations to build a tower in Moscow for Mr. Trump well into the 2016 presidential campaign, far later than previously known. Cohn said he discussed the status of the project with Trump on more than three occasions and briefed Trump's family members about it as well. He also admitted he agreed to travel to Russia for meetings on the project. The guilty plea comes at a particularly perilous time for Donald Trump, says the Times. In recent days, the president and his lawyers uh, have increased their attacks on the Justice Department and the Russia investigation, including on special counsel Robert Mueller. And that is no understatement from The Times uh, regarding the increased attacks in recent days. I was uh, reading our friend uh, Heather Digby Parton's account of some of this over at Salon, and she included a series of tweets in her story from Trump just this week, a day or so ago. Now, I try to avoid Trump's Twitter feed when I can for all sorts of reasons. But these four tweets uh, taken together from, um, uh, let's see, well, from two different days, I guess, earlier this week. The first three all come on Tuesday. And if you read these tweets, I, I mean, you know, we all know Donald Trump is, uh, you know, out of his mind. He's a liar. He's uh, unfamiliar you know, with the up. truth. Yeah. <laughs> That's very nice. Do you work for The New York Times? Um but uh, these uh, tweets, uh, well, you'll tell me what you think. I mean, this makes him, in my opinion, uh, he seems even more unhinged, more manic, more panicked than usual. But, you know, maybe you'll uh, hear these differently. OK, this is from very early on Tuesday morning uh, this past week, 730 a.m. Donald Trump tweets, the phony witch hunt continues, but Mueller and his gang of angry Dems are only looking at one side. Not the other. There's another side. Wait until it comes out how horribly and viciously they are treating people, ruining lives for them, refusing to lie. Mueller is a conflicted prosecutor gone rogue, dot, 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 dot. And uh, then uh, just minutes later, well, about 10 minutes later, the fake news media builds Bob Mueller up as a saint when in actuality he is the exact opposite. He is doing tremendous damage to our criminal justice system where he is only looking at one side and not the other. The other? Again, the other? Heroes will come of this, says Trump, and it won't be Mueller and his dot, 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 dot. And then we have to wait about 30 minutes later for him to... To fill that one in, it won't be uh, it won't be Mueller and his dot dot dot. 
terrible gang of angry Democrats. Look at their past and look where they come from. The now $30 million witch hunt continues. It's not costing $30 million, by the way, and obviously it's not a witch hunt, or if it is, they sure caught a lot of actual witches. And and they've got nothing but ruined lives, tweeted Trump. Going on to tweet in the same tweet. This is his third tweet uh, within, an, within an hour here. Where is the server? I guess he's now talking about Hillary Clinton's email server. Seriously? Still? Yes, he's still talking. Let these terrible people go back to the Clinton Foundation and the Justice Department with the word justice in quotes. So is that me or does he sound just a little bit more unhinged than than even he usually does? Well, he always sounds unhinged to me. So, you know, degrees of unhingity, I guess, would be what that would be. Yeah, that's that's a little bit bigger than usual. Yes. The next day, he says uh, the Mueller witch hunt is a total disgrace. They are looking at supposedly stolen, crooked Hillary Clinton emails, even though they don't want to look at the DNC server. Not sure what they're talking about. I don't believe they're actually looking at uh, supposedly stolen crooked Hillary Clinton emails. Uh, But they have no interest in the emails that Hillary deleted, in all caps, and acid washed after getting a congressional subpoena. He's back to that again? Yeah. Which is also not true? Yeah. So those tweets came earlier this week, as I said, as the special counsel's office had accused Trump's one-time campaign chair, Paul Manafort, of repeatedly lying to investigators in breach of his plea agreement. The uh, new revelations concerning Cohen come a week after, again, after, whoops, after, Trump's lawyers had provided Mueller with written responses to a set of questions. After Cohen appeared in court on Thursday, Trump abruptly canceled a planned meeting with President Vladimir Putin of Russia, while both leaders uh, will be in Argentina for a World Economic Summit meeting. Trump had left for Buenos Aires on Thursday morning. The president said he uh, he called off the meeting suddenly today because of Russia's recent hostilities with Ukraine. But those hostilities took place, well, almost a week ago. Over the past weekend, Russia reportedly fired on and seized Ukrainian vessels in the Sea of Azov. But until today, Donald Trump had planned on keeping his meeting with Putin. In remarks to reporters shortly after Cohn's plea deal, Trump said uh, that his uh, former fixer was once again lying in order to get a reduced sentence for for the crimes that he pleaded guilty to earlier this year. Under the earlier plea agreement, Cohn faced about four or five years in prison. Trump said he was convicted of various things unrelated to us. Well, actually, some of them were unrelated to him, but uh, a couple of them were very directly related to him when he was when he instructed Michael Cohen to pay off a porn star and a Playboy model that he had had an affair with. Yeah, and of course, also the part about Cohen lying to Senate investigators about the Trump meeting yeah. that Trump, of course, did know about, you know. Right, but he's claiming that he was previously convicted of things that were totally unrelated to us, and he's only giving this stuff that is related to him now because he's trying to get himself out of trouble for the previous things, which had nothing to do with Donald Trump, but that's a lie. 
they were directly related to Donald Trump and directly related to Donald Trump's campaign and unlawful use of campaign funds. Trump said about Cohn, he's a weak person. And what he's trying to do is get a reduced sentence. So these uh, these are all just lies, apparently, that uh, Michael Cohn is telling. Now, that doesn't actually have the ring of truth to it to me. But, um, you know, if I got to select one person who might be lying here, yes, uh, Michael Cohn has spent a lot of his life lying on behalf of Donald Trump. But if I got to select one person who's lying here, one person who's telling the truth, uh, Trump's record of truth telling is... Uh, is not the best at this point. During the campaign, Trump was repeatedly dismissive of claims that he had connections to the Kremlin. He said it over and over again. Uh, at a July 2016 news conference, for, for example, he said, I have a great company. I built an unbelievable company. But if you look there, you'll see there's nothing in Russia. Well, there was nothing there at the time. No actual building yet. But he had been trying to put something there as uh, recently as days earlier before that news conference, according to these uh, legal papers filed today. He said zero. I mean, I will tell you right now, zero. I have nothing to do with Russia, he said at another point. But he he said he said it a lot. Uh, here's NBC put together. Is this from NBC? Yes. News montage uh, pulling some of these statements together uh, from on the campaign trail again as early as July of 2016. I have nothing to do with Russia. I mean, I have nothing to do with Russia. I don't have any jobs in Russia. I'm all over the world, but we're not involved in Russia. I have no deals in Russia. We could make deals in Russia very easily. If we wanted to, I just don't want to because I think that would be a conflict. She always likes to tie me in with Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia, folks. I have nothing to do with Russia. I have John. John, how many times do I have to say it? Are you a smart man? I have nothing to do with Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. How many times do I have to answer this question? Well, uh, apparently, if you answered it once, once truthfully, you wouldn't have to answer it so many times, Mr. President. Here he is in January 2017, just after he uh, had taken office. No, just before. This is actually uh, about oh, a week, about eight days before, before the inauguration. All right. I have no dealings with Russia. I have no deals in Russia. I have no deals that could happen in Russia because we've stayed away. Uh, and I have no loans with Russia. So he said this over and over and over again. And he said, uh, you know, he, he could have. There's nothing illegal about it. And that's true. There's nothing illegal about it. Uh, but lying about it is another thing, especially if that's done in court papers. Today, Donald Trump, after Cohen had uh, entered this new uh, guilty plea for these federal charges before heading out to Argentina, here's what Trump said today about, uh, about uh, I guess, everyone knew he was actually doing business with Russia. He put out a statement talking about a project which was essentially, I guess, more or less of an option that we were looking at in Moscow. Everybody knew about it. It was written about in newspapers. We decided, I decided ultimately not to do it. There would have been nothing wrong if I did do it. If I did do it, there would have been nothing wrong. Even if he was right, it doesn't matter because I was allowed to do whatever I wanted during the campaign. 
Well, yes, uh, he had something to do with Russia. Everyone knew about it. It was in all the papers. That after he had spent the past, I don't know how many years, saying, I had nothing to do with Russia. Now, uh, you know, unless, of course, Michael Cohn is a huge liar, which he could be, but I'm fairly certain that Mueller's team would have some additional evidence to back up Cohen's claims here. In fact, uh, based on the nine-page charging document, we know that they did, including a letter of intent for a 15-floor hotel condominium and retail complex that Trump was hoping to build in Moscow. Cohen also had disclosed that Trump was personally aware of that deal, that he signed that letter of intent himself and uh, discussed it with Cohen on uh, at least two other occasions. The discussions about the potential development began after Trump had declared his candidacy. Cohen also said uh, that uh, that he sent an email to the spokesperson for uh, for Russian President Vladimir Putin concerning the potential deal in his uh, in his statement. He said that he worked on the real estate pro- uh, proposal with Felix Sater, a Russian born associate who said he claimed to have deep connections in Moscow. So presumably there is a long paper trail on all of this. And of course, in and of itself, Trump is right. None of it would have been illegal. But Trump lied A, to the public about it, and more problematic uh, for him, he may have lied to the special counsel about it in his uh, written responses submitted just last week before Cohn's new guilty plea. Now, uh, Neil Katyal had the, um, and I don't think, do I have the, yeah, shoot, I don't have the the tweet in front of me. Neil Katyal was the former Acting U.S. Solicitor General. Acting Solicitor General, who argues cases for the U.S. government before the Supreme Court. Uh, And he notes that these conversations that they were having, that Cohen was having with folks in Russia, was... Oh, here we go. Thank you. He says, folks need to remember when Michael Cohen was negotiating the deal with Russia for Trump, he was not negotiating like a regular business transaction The plea agreement says he was negotiating with Kremlin officials, not private business persons, but Kremlin officials, Katyal notes. This is no ordinary biz. So he wasn't just doing doing business in another country, which obviously comes with its own concerns, but he was specifically dealing with Russian officials, Kremlin officials. Make of that what you will, but those are the facts, at least the facts as uh, pleaded today in federal court. Prosecutors said Cohn had misled Congress to give a false impression that the Moscow project had ended before the Iowa presidential caucuses and the first Republican presidential primary in uh, in 2016. That was in January of that year. But I believe that's the same month that he actually signed the signed the uh, this intent memo with Russian officials. It was not immediately clear whether questions about the Russian Trump Tower real estate deal were among those answered by Trump and his lawyers last week in those written responses. But a prior list of queries that Mueller's team presented to Trump's lawyers earlier this year did include a question about it. So it's reasonable that their written questions that were ultimately sent to Trump also included questions about it and how Donald Trump answered it. Well, we don't know yet. 
If he did answer questions on this specific topic, uh, topic uh, Trump could have big problems if his responses deviate from the prosecutor's factual narrative and from the evidence, whatever that may be, that they have. Uh, Thursday's charges were handled by Mueller's team, not the federal prosecutors in New York who had handled Cohen's previous guilty pleas back in late summer in August to those other federal charges. That was uh, the Southern District of New York, the SDNY, who handled those. This, on Thursday, was handled by Mueller's team specifically. Um, So uh, Cohen is going to be sentenced here on December 12th. And guidelines call for little to no prison on the new charge. So don't know if he'll go to prison for that at all. Don't know if his uh, prison time will be reduced in the other, I think it was eight felony charges that he pleaded guilty to in, in summer. But it definitely does clarify the timeline that we're working with. I look forward to hearing more it from Mr. Mueller. It begins to clarify it, yes. yes. Uh, I still hate the story, but uh, at least... It is uh, very hateable, we, yes. We've got some uh, some hard facts. We'll see where this goes. Things could change very quickly, could move very quickly at this point. Um But we'll see. Maybe it'll be dragged out for another couple of years. All right, quick break, and we'll come back with... Uh, well, a story that I hate less, uh, this mystery in North Carolina that emerged yesterday, this election mystery, which is uh, kind of remarkable, and we're learning new details about it today. I'll have I'll have that and more. And yes, Desi Doyen, you'll be here with the Green News Report a little yes. bit later. If the radio gods are with us, I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. been rising for a while welcome back to the bradcast brad friedman from bradblog.com maybe trouble for republicans you know especially in north carolina where the republicans have spent years there pretending that they are trying to prevent massive democratic voter fraud in elections uh year after year they have been trying to pass um Actually, just about every single voter suppression law that Republicans have been able to come up with, uh, including photo ID voting restrictions at the polling place, so much so that a federal court uh, had to kill their their huge what they called election reform bill. I call a voter suppression bill uh, because the, the judge found that it targeted African-Americans with surgical precision. In North Carolina. Well, 
Funny thing happened this week on the way to certification in North Carolina. North Carolina election officials are investigating possible irregularities, as Washington Post calls it, with absentee ballots in the state's 9th congressional district, refusing to certify the U.S. House race weeks after Election Day. During the North Carolina Board of Elections meeting on Tuesday, as we told you about on on yesterday's broadcast, uh, this was a routine meeting by the State Board of Elections. They were going to certify all 13 of North Carolina's U.S. House seats following the midterm elections. In this meeting, State Board member Joshua Malcolm, a Democratic appointee, stood up and dropped a bombshell before the nine-member board uh, went into closed session to discuss this bombshell. He said, quote, I'm very familiar with the unfortunate activities that have happened in my part of the state, and I am not going to turn a blind eye to what took place to the best of my understanding, which has been ongoing for a number of years and which has been repeatedly referred to the United States attorney and the district attorneys to clean up those things, he said, have not taken place. So then the board went into a closed session for two hours. And when they came out of that closed session, they voted nine to zero to certify all of the races, all of the uh, other U.S. House races, except for the one in the ninth district. Now, in that race, um, the unofficial, the uncertified still results show Mark Harris, the Republican, defeating the Democrat Dan McCready by uh, 905 votes out of more than 282,000 votes cast. And then we didn't learn much more about it. Uh, They said we're not going to certify this race and they didn't give any details publicly. This two hour session was behind closed doors. So we've all sort of been trying to put the pieces together ever since to find out what's going on. And the investigation appears to be focused on Bladen County. Uh, That's one of several counties that make up the ninth district where reportedly, as we noted yesterday, state investigators seized absentee ballot applications and container envelopes from the county's board of elections on the day after the November 6th election. Charlotte's NPR station WFAE reported that yesterday, but now Washington Post reports today that an official in Robeson County said that that county has also been contacted. Now, uh, the Republican won Bladen County by a little bit more than, I think it was 1,500 votes. It was very close in Bladen County. It's a small county. Robeson is a larger county. It went for the Democrat in that race by about 5,000 votes. Um, So an official in Robeson County had been contacted, according to Washington Post. State officials have given no other details. Um... But uh, election officials confirmed on Wednesday that an election investigator uh, had seized completed absentee ballot request forms and absentee container envelopes the day after the election, presumably also in Robeson County. Steve Stone, the chair of the Robeson County Board of Elections, said that state investigators have requested information that the county board kept on an unusual number of absentee ballot requests. 
in Robeson. Stone said county election officials began keeping logs of who dropped off large numbers of registration forms and absentee ballot requests and later reported their concerns to the state board in August. Stone said that county residents had reported that people were going door to door telling voters that their registrations had been dropped and that they needed to re-register. And then they also asked to sign that they, these uh, people were also asked to sign an absentee ballot request form, according to Stone, who said it didn't feel right. Now, uh, we don't know who did what here on whose behalf. But what we do know is that uh, had the Democratic uh, State Board of Elections official here, uh, Josh Malcolm, not stood up and objected, it looked like the State Board of Elections was ready to certify all 13 of these elections, including this one by this Republican uh, what, the, the one that was won by Republican Mark Harris, reportedly, by 905 votes in the 9th District. Now, generally, uh, when Republicans think there are Democrats out there who are committing some form of election fraud or voter fraud, they're quite vocal about it. Yeah. They don't hold that close to their vest. So the fact that it's a Democrat who was speaking up here and he was objecting to a Republican win in this uh, theoretical win in this uh, race in the ninth uh, uh, di congressional district would suggest some wrongdoing by Republicans here. And Republicans in their response have been very tepid. Uh, basically, all they've said is, Mark Harris is the winner. We know he won. We'll see you in court. They uh, haven't said anything, you know. So if there was de if there was any hint, any whiff of Democrats in some way committing wrongdoing here, committing voter fraud, of course they would have been trumpeting it from the high heavens. Indeed. And but you know, not. it also disturbs me the part that you said about the Democratic Board of Elections appointees standing up and saying this has been ongoing, ongoing. for a number of years uh, well, and referred to the U.S. attorney. Uh, so, OK, go I, have, ahead. I know I have more. I have more on that. Okay. I have more on all of this that we're, we're getting and we're just sort of pulling the pieces together. But uh, it's fascinating. About twelve hundred requested absentee ballots were not returned this year in Robeson County, says Stone which he calls an unusually high number. Bladen County also had an unusually high number of unreturned absent absentee ballots. Again, what that means, we, I, we don't yet know. Um, what it could mean is that somebody was saying, hey, would you like to vote for, uh, you know, sign up here to vote for uh, to vote by absentee, vote by mail. And then those people were never actually sent uh, a register uh, sent a ballot at all and maybe they didn't end up voting uh, or the ballots were sent out to someone other than the voters and that other person whoever that may be just hung on to those ballots and didn't submit them at all also suppressing the vote of those people who had thought they had uh, applied for absentee ballots Patrick Gannon public information officer for the Robeson board told the Post that the investigation is ongoing and considered a, uh, quote, top priority. 
Investigators are working quickly to resolve the case, given that a new Congress is seated in early January, he said. The district is currently, and here's where this, all right, the district is currently represented by a different Republican, a guy by the name of Robert, uh, Robert Pittenger. He was defeated in the Republican primary by Mark Harris, who is described as a conservative pastor. That was in the primary election, so he was turfed out. Mark Harris wins the Republican primary, goes on supposedly to win by just 905 votes in this very close race. Well, that primary election, too, now seems to be coming under scrutiny. The Republican primary election, according to WFAE this uh, this morning. I'll get to that in one moment. This is not the first time, the Post notes, this is not the first time that absentee ballots from Bladen County have been questioned. Back in 2016, the state board investigated similar concerns about absentee ballots there and referred the case to the U.S. attorney for the Eastern District. But the U.S. attorney uh, would not confirm whether there was or was not an investigation in any event, they did not bring any charges. We would have known about that. Don Connolly, a spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, would not confirm or deny whether there was an investigation into either the 2016 matter or the 2018 elections. But um, here's what WFAE now adds to this puzzle. An investigator for the North Carolina Board of Elections seized absentee by mail ballot requests from Bladen County shortly after the November 6th election. As part of its scrutiny of Mark Harris's win over Dan McCready in the 9th District, but an election law expert says Bladen County's results for the 9th District GOP primary also deserve attention, calling them, quote, unusual. In May, in the primaries uh, this past year, Mark Harris narrowly upset incumbent Robert Pittenger in the Republican primary by just 828 votes. Harris's win was powered in part by a surge of absentee by mail ballots from Bladen County, according to data from the North Carolina Board of Elections. In the May primary, 22 percent of the votes cast in Bladen County in the primary, the Harris-Pittenger primary race, 22 percent were cast by absentee uh, ballot. And Harris was the overwhelming winner of those ballots. Now, 22 percent, I mean, out here in California, we have, I think, more than 50 percent of our votes are cast uh, by mail these days. But that is not the case in North Carolina. Uh, so in this in Bladen County, 22 percent of the votes were cast by mail for some reason. Harris won 96 percent of those mail ballots in Bladen. Um, but he won only 62 percent uh, of all other votes in that same county. So for some reason, the rate of his win on absentee ballots was way higher than Through it was on any other kind of ballot. Right. Hmm. And it gets more unusual. Jerry Cohen, who is uh, an election uh, law expert, he was a state legislative attorney for 30 years. He said the absentee votes from Bladen are, quote, unusual. He says clearly there is something going on in Bladen County, he said. It's the only county in the state with an organized street-level vote-by-mail operation. He says there is nothing necessarily wrong with that. 
he said it's not illegal to help people request absentee by mail ballots, but someone cannot collect the ballots, which is a process known as harvesting. Now, in some states, you're allowed to do that. Uh, Folks are allowed to go around and say, hey, we have a record that you voted, uh, that you requested an absentee ballot. Have you voted it? If so, I'll take it for you and I'll turn it in. Um, So uh, but you're but you're not allowed to do that in North Carolina. Uh, And comparing Bladen County to all of the other counties in this very same uh, district, well, at 22 percent, Bladen County had the highest percentage of absentee vote by mail ballots in the district. Mecklenburg County was you mean the, in the state. Well, no, in in the district. Oh, in the, in the district. In, that's yeah, in of the question. counties that make up the ninth district. Got it. So they had 22 percent uh, vote by mail in uh, in Bladen County. The next closest county was Mecklenburg with 1.6 percent. So in this one county, Bladen, 22% vote by mail. All of the other counties, not even close. Uh, The next closest, 1.6%. The other counties that make up this same district, 9th Congressional District, Union County had uh, 0.07% absentee. Anson had 0% vote by mail absentee. Scotland County, 1.5%. Robeson, 1.1 percent, Cumberland, 0.08 percent, and Richmond, 0.02 percent. So all of the other counties below 2 percent, Bladen, 22 percent. Yeah. After reviewing the data, Jerry Cohn said there was a larger, uh, a large number of absentee ballots in the primary that were requested, but also never returned. Cohn says one possibility is that a third party promised to mail them for the voters but failed to do so. So something is going on in North Carolina. Something is obviously going on in North Carolina, specifically in Bladen County, maybe in Robeson. Uh, We're told that the North Carolina State Board of Elections has the ability, uh, has the authority to order a recount, if that comes into play, if that might be necessary, that they even have the uh, ability to order a new election. If that comes into play, Uh, which could mean if they do do another uh, election and if they're not allowed to do the ballot harvesting or whatever the hell the Republicans appear to have been doing here, allegedly, uh, then it could be end up being another Democratic pickup. Right now, the Democrats have picked up 39 seats. Uh, According to the called races, it looks like they're going to end up with 40 seats in the U.S. House. Um, But it could be 41, I guess, depending on how this goes. Do I have time for one more here? uh, Yes, Yes, I do. All right. One more story um, about another U.S. House race that is also being challenged. This one in Maine, Republican U.S. Congressman Bruce Poliquin requested a recount this past week in a historic election that his Democratic opponent, Jared Golden, was announced as having won thanks to ranked choice voting. Uh, And this sets up a lengthy hand count of ballots. Now, anyone who has listened to the show knows that uh, I, I anger all sorts of progressive folks out there when I talk about how much I dislike ranked choice voting because it is so difficult in this country 
apparently for us to even be able to add one plus one plus one in an overseeable fashion when we are counting ballots. That's before the ridiculous, and I always call it the uh, ridiculous algebra of, uh, of ranked choice voting. Better word may be uh, before the ridiculous computer algorithms of ranked choice voting. Election officials anticipate this recount will take about a month, causing a race um, to ensure that the process is completed before the new Congress is seated in January. But uh, so... Bruce Poliquin, the Republican here, requested this recount because he apparently lost to Jared Golden under this complicated ranked choice voting scheme, which will now make a recount much more laborious, uh, as the AP uh, describes it, because of this new way of voting that they now do in Maine, because back in 2016, voters decided that they wanted to use ranked choice voting. Uh, that, understandably, after, uh, I guess, after uh, a couple of gubernatorial elections where they ended up with Republican, Rep- I'll just call him a Republican governor, uh, Paul LePage, <laughs> the dumbest governor in the country, maybe in history. Anyway, they ended up with him uh, because there was uh, three-way races. There was a, a libertarian candidate considered a spoiler. Paul LePage did not win a majority of votes, and yet he still be- he won a plurality and uh, still became uh, governor. So they voted for this new system. And now, the first time out in 2016, it's being challenged. And uh, recounting it will not be easy. Um The recount will be more laborious, as AP says, under Maine's new way of voting because all candidates were ranked on the ballots, exponentially increasing the effort to do any kind of public hand count, according to a spokesperson for the secretary of state. She says it's a far more complex than a uh, it's a it's far more complex than a typical recount. And that's an understatement. But uh, usually our regular plurality election recounts go so smoothly that now we're going to do them this way. Poliquin had the uh, the Republican here had the most first round votes after they counted initially. But that lead did not hold up after they did an additional round under Maine's ranked choice voting because neither Poliquin nor Golden had received a um, Uh, a majority of the votes. They both got about 46%. So then they remove the last place candidates and take their, the voters' second place choices for those candidates and apply them to the other candidates. And that's how Golden then emerged victorious after the uh, two trailing candidates were limited and their supporters' second choices were reallocated with the assistance, as AP describes, from a proprietary computer algorithm. With the votes reassigned, Golden won the election by about 3,500 votes based on a computer algorithm, not based on oversight by human beings. So was it accurate? Did the Democrat Golden actually win? Who knows? I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows until they count these ballots by hand and use this confusing computerized uh, algorithm somehow to figure out who won and who actually lost. Uh, Golden uh, said that Poliquin was within his right to request a recount. I should say so. 
But he says that uh, he's unlikely to succeed and dragging this process out only hurts the people we were elected to serve, according to Golden. Uh, Poliquin uh, says that he won the constitutional one person, one vote first choice election on Election Day. He's filed a federal lawsuit seeking to have a new that new uh, rank choice system declared unconstitutional. I don't think he will have much luck with that, but he has filed a federal lawsuit. Um, But uh, he put out uh, the campaign, put out a statement, which I think is right on the money and underscores exactly the concerns that I've had for so many years about ranked choice voting. Poliquin said, quote, we have heard from countless Maine voters who were confused and even frightened. Their votes did not count due to computer engineered rank voting said the Poliquin campaign spokesperson. Furthermore, we have become aware that the computer software and black box voting system utilized by the Secretary of State is secret. You only now just became aware of that? He says no one is able to review the software or the computer algorithm used by a computer to determine elections. This artificial intelligence is not transparent. Therefore, today we are proceeding with the traditional ballot recount conducted by real people. That's the Republican candidate spokesman saying it. That Republican uh, candidate, that Republican campaign is absolutely right. Even if the results of the computer algorithm were correct, this Republican and his voters deserve to know that that is a fact. And now they're going to have to pay for a recount, which will delay this race potentially for a month as they try to figure this out while voters are, quote, scared, confused. That's what happens in ranked choice voting. That's just one of the reasons I ain't no fan. Uh, No time to go into details here, but uh, before you all write me emails at bradcast at bradblog.com to complain, uh, look up approval voting. It does something similar. It allows you to vote yes, no for every candidate, uh, and it can be counted by human beings. No computer algorithm required. All right. Yeah, I know. Got to get out. Green News Report with Desi Doyen is straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. I think I'm going to get emails on that uh, on that ranked choice voting segment, Desi Oh, Dine. you always Complaints do. You always from, do. From uh, progressives, from Democrats, from Green Party folks, I'm sure I am. I welcome your emails. I welcome your hate. My uh, email address is bradcast at bradblog.com. <laughs> Uh, all right, we got to get to it. Our latest green news report. We really need to be peaking as a planet in our emissions of, of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases by 2020, but we're not. The world is not doing nearly enough to cut emissions, warns new UN report. This is clearly building square in the danger zone. Amazon's new headquarters in Queens will be hit with rising seas. 
House Dems introduce a price on carbon. Plus, this is normally the wet season there, and leaders are calling the situation unprecedented. Australia grapples with massive wildfire outbreak amid record heat wave. All of that grappling and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. We have created a climate change industrial complex in this country. A lot of people are getting really, really, really rich off the climate change issue. Correct. The fossil fuel companies causing the problem and jerks like you, Stephen Moore of the Wall Street Journal, who are lying for them. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, as if the national climate assessment that uh, the Trump administration tried to bury wasn't bad enough, the United Nations has now followed up with their own report, just making things worse. (laughs) Yes, unfortunately, they are. The world is falling behind on cutting the carbon emissions that cause dangerous man-made global warming, and no country is on track to meet the pledges to keep global temperatures from rising more than two degrees Celsius in the International Paris Climate Agreement. That's according to the annual UN Climate Gap Report, released this week just days after the alarming U.S. Fourth National Climate Assessment. Scientists say global emissions must peak by 2020 and then fall off sharply if the world is to have a chance of avoiding the worst consequences of climate change. But on our current emissions trajectory, according to the report, we won't peak until after 2030, making the task ahead much more difficult to avoid blowing past key thresholds that scientists say will lead to irreversible climate catastrophes. Great. Meanwhile, the consequences of global warming intensified extremely Extreme weather are here. In Australia, a record heat wave has helped spark nearly 140 fires across Queensland, with officials ordering evacuations of entire towns in a race against fast-moving bushfires. Mm. Brisbane just recorded its hottest November on record. Sydney was slammed with a month's worth of rain in just a few hours that caused widespread flooding. Here in the U.S., you may have heard that Amazon selected New York City and Washington, D.C., as twin locations were its new headquarters. But amidst all of the brouhaha over the billion-dollar tax breaks and other incentives that New York City gave to the corporate giant, less well-reported is that Amazon plans to build its headquarters in a low-lying area of Queens that is projected to see frequent and significant coastal flooding as early as 2020 because of rising sea levels. That's according to Climate Central CEO Benjamin Strauss in an interview with CNBC. This is clearly building square in the danger zone for frequent flooding. And they're going to need the city's help to fortify the whole area so that it's robust to the kinds of floods that could be quite routine by the middle of the century. If only there was someone they could call order some huge water pumps and have them delivered the very next day. Oh, if only. However, taxpayers will likely have to be the ones to help Amazon protect its investment. U.S. automaker General Motors has announced it's canceling the Chevy Volt, its partial electric car that also has an onboard gas tank to extend its range, because GM is shedding underperforming models in its product line. Yeah, this was a little strange to figure out. GM was saying they wanted to focus on electric cars, but then they're canceling 
one of their electric cars, the Volt. What's up with that? Well, some auto industry analysts say that consumers are just going straight to pure electric cars rather than stopping at partial electric vehicles. Skipping the hybrids. Exactly. However, GM's also doubling down on its extremely profitable gas-guzzling SUVs, which are surging in popularity due to low gas prices. Finally, a bipartisan group of House lawmakers this week, led by Democratic Congressman Ted Deutsch of Florida, has introduced legislation to establish a price on carbon pollution, the first in 10 years in Congress. All revenue from the proposed carbon fee would be rebated directly back to U.S. households to offset higher energy prices, and the reduction in air pollution would save an estimated 13,000 lives a year. While similar legislation wouldn't have a snowball's chance in hell of passing in the Republican-controlled Senate, Democratic climate hawk Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island called it an important step, quote, using the power of markets to solve this problem. Friendly reminder, 10 years ago, it was the Democrats in the U.S. Senate which stopped a carbon cap and trade bill from going through. Yep. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. We are going down, aren't we? Yeah, well, you know. But at least we're going down together. <laughs> Okie dokie. There is no one I would rather go down with. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, don't. Uh, don't even. Don't All go right. there, yeah. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or at your favorite podcast site. Though, if you uh, leave a nice comment for us, it makes it a little bit easier for other folks give us good rating or whatever gives it makes it easier for other folks to find us there as well um you can drop me email as i said i'm bradcast at bradblog.com find follow and share what we do here on the facebooks and the twitters you can find me at the brad blog and as ever we rely on you to stay on your public airwaves so my thanks to those of you who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to support our work, either through a one-time donation uh, or a monthly subscription of any amount you like. Thanks to you. Uh, those of you who haven't stopped by, what are you waiting for? We really do uh, appreciate and need your support. Bradblog.com slash donate. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>